Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. I'm excited to get to be with you this morning. If, if you haven't heard, I don't know what we put up on the lower third just now, Chase, but uh, if you haven't heard, my, my role here at City Bridge has changed a little bit here in the last few months. Some of you know that, uh, but I used to be the pastoral care and region director here at City Bridge. Yes, cheer. I, I'm still a fan. And so, yes, you can cheer. And, uh, and those ministries are in fantastic hands moving forward. Laura Helms and others that are helping lead those ministries were in just in great hands. But it's given me an opportunity to get to jump in uh, with our pre-K, our kids, and our students. And it has already been a huge gift to me in the last three months to get to jump in. And, and, and I am convinced more than ever that what's happening on the other side of the building right now is as important, if not more important, than what we're doing right here, right now. And I think very highly of what we're about to do right here, right now, just to be sure. So the last week I got to spend time in Nashville at, uh, at a forum called the Child's Discipleship Forum. And it was an incredible two, three days where we just got to be reminded at the stakes that are involved when it comes to training up the next generation and training up our kids. And it was awesome, this whole forum existed uh, because uh, they were, as we were doing studies, as Barna and other companies were doing studies, they were noting that kids that were in the church that maybe even professed a saving knowledge of Christ, as they grew up, they were leaving the faith to the tune of 80 or 90%. And there, this forum began to produce around this idea of what can we do to produce lasting, resilient, and persevering faith in the lives of our kids, not just trying to get people to profess Christ and then stop there. But what does it look like to call them to be fully devoted followers of Christ? You need to know that's what we're doing right now with your kids. We preach the full counsel of God to them. We preach Christ and Christ crucified to them and we are pouring and investing in them because we want them to become disciples, not just people that know of Jesus. We want them to be with Jesus, becoming more and more like him. And that's the privilege that we get to do as you do as well as parents partnering with them. And, um, and I'm excited. Now, what does that have to do with Hebrews? What does this idea of how can we produce lasting, resilient and persevering faith in the lives of our kids have to do with Hebrews? Well, I think, and to remind you, just as we step back and look at all of Hebrews, most commentators agree or believe, and I would agree that this is exactly what the author, or as I like to refer to him, the pastor of Hebrews is trying to do is he's looking at a group of people and going, yes, the world's caving in on you. There's persecution coming. They're coming for your property. They're coming for your families. But I want you to have a lasting, resilient and persevering faith. And the way that he's been doing that to start off his letter is consider Jesus. Put your gaze fully on him. And so these first three chapters, just as we kind of take a step back for a second, where are we in the book of Hebrews? The first three chapters of Hebrews are just shining this huge, bright spotlight on Jesus. And we might put the, the slide up, but that just kind of shows the different things that are kind of where we're moving and where we're going. But we've been in the superiority of Christ. We're gonna stay in that spot today. And then as you just dive in, as we dive into where we've been those last six weeks, you'll just see that Jesus is superior, He's superior to all. He was the superior revelation we talked about 
in Hebrews chapter one. He's the superior messenger. He's superior to the prophets. He's superior to the angels. And in fact, now we move into he's superior than Moses. He's greater than Moses. If you'll notice that the Hebrews is a masterpiece as you would expect from the spirit of God writing through this unknown author. And it is a masterpiece. And what he's doing, we've been following along with the Hebrew people and we're gonna continue to follow along with them. We, we kind of met them on Mount Sinai where the law was given. And we, we learned a couple weeks ago that angels had some role in delivering the law to Moses on Mount Sinai from God. And now we're gonna kind of follow Moses off the mountain. And we're gonna spend a little bit of time in Numbers 12 today as we learn how Jesus is greater than Moses. And then next week, we're gonna spend some time with the wilderness generation. That's what happens next in the life of the Hebrew people, the life of the nation of Israel. And then after that, we're gonna talk about the promised land. We're gonna talk about rest. We're gonna talk about Joshua. The author's masterfully moving through the history of the Hebrew people. And so that's where we are today as we look back and we're gonna focus. Jesus is better than the angels. He's the better prophet. And it would only make sense in a Jewish religion that adored, right, revered Moses, that now the author would come along and say, Jesus is even better than Moses. So that's where we are today. Turn to Hebrews chapter three as we jump in and uh, we are going to read the first six verses. Verse one, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him, who appointed him just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. So the first six verses of chapter three that we're gonna be in. And then one other thing you just need to know, we talked about this two, three weeks ago, this idea of that there's gonna be five warning passages in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews two, one through four was warning passage number one, which is don't drift from the gospel. We are now entering Hebrews three and four, which is gonna be emphasizing don't disbelieve this gospel, hold fast to it. So that's where we're gonna finish our, our time this morning. But the movements this morning, if that helps you, is we're gonna do what the, what the author does, what the pastor does. We're gonna consider Jesus. We're gonna compare Jesus and Moses. How were they similar? We're gonna contrast Jesus and Moses. How are they different? And then we're gonna to get to a conditional clause and begin to consider us and what's our right response to these truths. And so let's go back to verse one as we consider Jesus. And let's break down verse one. The centerpiece of that verse is consider Jesus. More on that in a second, but the verse starts with therefore holy brothers. As we've talked about uh, again in, in Hebrews chapter two, the therefores in, in Hebrews are jam packed. Remember, this is like one long message, one long sermon. So the author is building upon itself. So this therefore, in light of consider Jesus, he's saying, remember chapter one, this is who Jesus is. He's the heir of all things, the creator of all things. He's the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of his nature. 
He's the purifier of, of our sins. He's, he's, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. This is who Jesus is, therefore. And then Hebrews chapter two, because of what Jesus has done, we talked about that. Kegs covered because Jesus has restored man's lost dominion and purpose, because he's, he's tasted death for everyone, because he's brought his family to glory. He's not ashamed to identify with us. And then last week, we talked about he's destroyed the devil. He's delivered us from lifelong slavery faithful and merciful high priest. He's able to help us tempted and tried and he's made propitiation for our sins. Therefore, consider what Jesus has done, who he is and what he's done for us, holy brothers, he says. This is written, this passage in particular, he's narrowing in on those that have been made holy by Jesus. Brothers and sisters that have been purified by Christ because that's what Christ has done on our behalf. He says, you, you who share in a heavenly calling. This is gonna be a theme that you're gonna see. He wants, the, the author is continuing to point us to our heavenly orientation. If you are in Christ, you have an orientation that is from heaven and it is calling you there. And he's gonna talk about cultivating this attitude. We must be a people that desire the better country, the heavenly city designed by God. This is words that the pastor's gonna use later. And the heavenly Jerusalem. C.S. Lewis says in this room, one of his famous quotes is a reminder that there are no ordinary people in this room. We are all either immortal horrors or we are everlasting splendors. And we're in process in one of those routes. You have a heavenly calling. If you are in Christ, holy brother, holy sister, you are en route to being an everlasting splendor. And it doesn't just have to be one day far off in the distance. It can begin right now. You have a heavenly calling that affects how you live today. So what does it mean? Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, here's your command, consider Jesus. The word consider in the English language is not strong, right, for us. It's, it's kind of like I'll give, sometimes I, I, I associate it as give it passing thought. That is not what the word here means in the Greek. It means give the most serious consideration possible. With all your mental, emotional, and spiritual diligence, you focus in on this. So the definition to, to give you this morning, when it says consider, I have written in my Bible, unrivaled attention from my heart, soul, mind, and strength towards Jesus. That's what he's doing when you consider all that Jesus has, who he is and what he's done for us. Unrivaled attention needs to be focused on him. Gaze fully on him. Paul says, I count everything rubbish. All else rubbish that I might know him, that I might consider him. Heart, soul, mind, strength, unrivaled attention. That I might know the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death somewhere along the way. The American church, and I don't exactly know when, and I, but we have created a class of, of followers of Jesus and, and that, that aren't followers of Jesus. It's a class of they believe in Jesus, but they aren't disciples of him. The American church has created a class that does not exist in your New Testament of people that are believers in Jesus, but are not disciples of him. And that doesn't, that category of people is not even contemplated in your Bible. The idea of once you profess Christ, you are to be in Christ. It says you are to be with Christ. You are to be coming like him. 
It's what disciples do. They become like that which they're following. Just as we talked about, as Keg shared the vision, we are calling all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. That's the call of the New Testament, is to consider Christ, give unrivaled attention, heart, soul, mind, and strength to the Savior of ours. I think it's the secret of life change. I get, as my time and Regen and others, people would always ask, what's, what, what's the difference? People walk through the door. People walk through the doors all the time with all sorts of struggles, hurts, habits, and hangups. What's the defining characteristic of those that change? The defining characteristic of those that change that I watched them was not who could do the Regen curriculum. It was who was spending time at the feet of Jesus. Who was spending time in the word? I'll just tell you, and I told people this while, it's not just because I'm now not the region guy. In a way, I'm less interested in how much of the region curriculum our participants did. I wanted to know that they were in the word of God at the feet of Jesus, giving unrivaled attention, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And those were the ones that changed every single time I watched. Life hasn't gotten perfect for them, but what changed here began to be an began to get overflow into their lives. That verse ends with, for consider Jesus, he's the apostle and the high priest of our confession. I love it. I mean, when you think about Jesus, I, he is, we had a problem, right? God's on this side, holy God, man's on this side, fallen short, and Jesus, fully God, fully man, stands in between. As an apostle, only time in your New Testament Jesus is called an apostle, he represents God to us as an apostle. As a high priest, as we talked about this week, last week, he represents us to God. It's glorious, consider that. It's glorious truth. And that's what our confession is, the confession idea here. He's gonna mention it in, he, in Hebrews four, he's gonna mention it in Hebrews 10. It's this idea of bold, courageous, public proclamation of allegiance, even in the face of persecution. This is, I'm gonna hold to a resilient, persevering faith in these moments. That's the call that we're supposed to do. It's when, 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 when our friends here get baptized, it's a public confession. It's a public proclamation of allegiance. It's like, I wanna be like Jesus. It doesn't save you, but, but baptism is me going, now that I've been saved, I wanna identify with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. I wanna give him unrivaled attention. And church, you have permission to speak into my life if I don't live like that. That's what a baptism is. That's why we gather around and do those things. Is It's a public confession to our apostle and high priest Jesus. And we are to consider Jesus before he even starts to move into Moses, he's like, you gotta keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Now let's compare Jesus and Moses. Verse two, this Jesus who was faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all of God's house. I love this. You're not gonna find one word of disparagement of Moses in here. If anything, if anything, the author elevates. He's talking to a Jewish people who, because of persecution, they've got like one eye on Jesus and they're kind of looking over their shoulders going, well, this is, this is getting hard. Judaism, what Moses taught, maybe, maybe we should return to that. He's like, no, 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 don't go back. And you might think he's like, no, 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 Moses, that's ultimate. In a way though, he's going to actually elevate Moses. 
Because in elevating Moses, in the end, it's gonna bring even greater glory to Christ. When we can rightly consider who Moses is, it should only direct our attention to the God of Moses. Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Those are not just words that uh, the pastor or author chose to write about Moses. That is God's testimony himself to Moses. The Hebrew audience would have known, oh, he's talking about Numbers 12 right now. And the context of Hebrews, or I'm sorry, of Numbers 12, the, the context of Numbers 12 is Moses being faithful, but he's getting some opposition. And it's not just opposition from the people, it's opposition from his family members, Miriam and Aaron. And in Numbers 12, we see those two, his brother and sisters, for they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not also spoken through us also? Other people going, hey, hey, we're, we're, we're important too. It's not just about you, Moses. It's like Aaron and Moses were, or Aaron and Miriam were like disappointed in their assignment and they wanted Moses' assignment. It says the Lord heard it. That's how verse two ends. And then the Lord gathered Aaron and Miriam and Moses. And he says this in verse six of Numbers 12. Hear my words if there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. Hebrews three language right there. For with him, I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? God's testimony of Moses was he was faithful in all of my house. Echoes of our heavenly calling, right? That one day we might hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's our call. The Moses is, is not lesser than, we, Moses is an example for us to look to and go, I wanna be like that. I want that to be my testimony has been faithful in all the house. You and I, I know I can, I can look at Moses' assignment. Maybe this is what Miriam and, and, and Aaron were doing, but you're like, man, I want the assignment where I get to stand before like the most powerful man on the earth and kind of bring him to his knees, the Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, and basically crumble a, a, a powerhouse country overnight. I want that assignment. I want the assignment where I deliver 2.5 million people. That sounds like an amazing assignment. Moses' real assignment was deny yourself and follow me. The Hebrew author makes that really clear in Hebrews 11, verse 24. Listen to this. Listen to how Moses had to deny himself. This was Moses' assignment. This is how he's been faithful in all of the house. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And I had to imagine there were some pretty good pleasures as a ruler in Egypt, he considered the reproach of Christ, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. He, he didn't forget his heavenly calling. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Just in case you find yourself wishing you had Moses' assignment. Moses' assignment is your assignment. Deny yourself and follow me. You can word Moses' assignment a lot of different ways, but in the end, he gave up power, riches, and pleasures 
in order to wander the wilderness for 80 years. It's a little bit of a different job description. But he was faithful in all that house. By the way, he wandered 80 years, 40 of them in anonymity so that he could then wander 40 more years with a group of God-doubting, grumbling, complaining travelers. And yet Moses was faithful in his assignment. Moses gave up a lot. But in Hebrews 11, it tells us what Moses got. Verse 13 of Hebrews 11, he died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. That's part of our confession is that we are but strangers and exiles on the earth. But as it is, they desired a better country. Verse 16, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city. Moses has the city now. He's got those things and he was faithful in his assignment. And so you and I don't get to pick our earthly assignment. If you're like me, occasionally I'm, I'm Miriam, I'm, I'm, I'm Aaron and I'm kind of looking over my shoulder going, give me that assignment. Give me, that one seems easier. That set of gifts looks better to me. I'd, li- I'd do wonders with that set of gifts. Give me that family. Give me that job where I can be faithful. Our job is to lean into the assignment that the Lord has given us. We have no control over where he places us, some of the gifts that he places inside of us. It's our job to be faithful with what he gives us and where he puts us, just as Moses was faithful in all the house. Jesus and Moses were very similar in that regards. And I love it when you rightly put Moses in, it's okay to elevate Moses or to think of him as a faithful hero of the faith, a faithful saint. Because when you do that, it directs your attention to the God who made Moses. And that's exactly where the pastor goes next is he's gonna contrast Jesus and Moses and he's gonna give us three ways that Jesus is better, greater. He's gonna give us three ways that there is a greater glory of Jesus than there is for Moses. Let's look at the first one. For Jesus, verse three, has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, much more glory as the builder of a house, more honor than the house itself. Jesus is more than both, more, more honor, more glory is worthy of him. Why? Because every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. This is a clear declaration of Jesus's deity here. A clear declaration. Jesus is the creator of all things. He's the creator of Moses. And you and I in this world can sometimes fall in love with Moses. But we're to direct our attention to the God that made Moses and marvel at him. There's a story of a couple of people that were touring uh, England in the uh, 1800s. And they, uh, there were a lot of great preachers in England in the 1800s. There was... Uh, Charles Spurgeon was one of the more famous ones. And these guys decided to go to two, two different speakers, one of which was Charles Spurgeon and the other to uh, a one that I'll leave unnamed for now. And they left the unnamed person's sermon going, oh my goodness, what a preacher. What a preacher. His oratory skill was phenomenal. And then they showed up at Charles Spurgeon's church and they left going, what a savior. What a savior this pastor that we still call the Prince of Preachers always was directing attention to Jesus. And when you are faithful in your assignment, it should draw people's attention to the God who made you. 
There's so many, when I think about this, when I think about the house, that, that word's gonna come up, we'll unpack it in a little bit, but God's house is what we've already even talked about, what Keg's talking about. It's the, it's the people of God. And I think about some of the people that are in this room, some of you all, and I marvel at who is in this room. I don't know if you know some of the people that are in this room. We've got, we have some faithful Bible translators in here that take God's word, translate it for unreached people groups, people that some, in some instances don't even have a written language and they translate the word of God into something that they can read, understand, listen to. Their names are Chris and Kim Smith. Do you know where Chris and Kim Smith serve the household of God here? Some of you do. Third grade. It's like they're translating the Bible to a culture that sometimes is hard to understand. <laughs> and what a gift. Who else would you want teaching your third grade kids than someone that, that has spent time with Jesus in his word and able to translate it for them. What a gift. And it makes me go, not Chris and Kim Smith. Let's worship them. It goes, make, uh, Lord, the Lord that dreamed up Chris and Kim Smith. I want to praise that one. Our student minister here, Daniel Smith, I, I, I don't think they're related. If they are, let me know. Chris and Kim and Daniel, I, I, they're unrelated. But I say this of Daniel. Daniel with our six, he sees treasure in sixth, seventh, and eighth graders that I don't know of anyone else in this world that sees. I, I, I often don't. I have a couple sixth, seventh, eighth graders. Are they, they're not over. <laughs> but it's like he's considered all that the world has to offer, all the people he could pour into. And he's like, I'm gonna pick sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. I'm gonna give my life away to them. And it makes me worship the God that dreamed up Daniel Smith. That's when you find guys, when you read things about this and going, who is this? You think of the God that made that person. Greater's glory is due to the creator. Moses was just a member in the house. And I don't mean that disparagingly, but it was Christ that built the house. That's number one. Number two is Moses was faithful in that house as a servant. Christ was faithful over that house as a son. That's where the passage goes next, verse five. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, verse six, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. All Moses did was fulfill his assignment. He spoke the words that God told him to speak. By the way, he even questioned his own assignment right at one point. But Jesus, when talking to the Hebrew people himself goes, if you would have believed Moses, you'd believe me. He spoke of me. He was just being faithful in my house, doing my things. But as it is, because you don't believe Moses, you're not gonna believe me. You're looking back. You gotta look forward to the God that Moses was always pointing to. And that's the part I skipped in 5b. It says to testify to the things that were to be spoken of later. That was Moses. Moses came to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. Moses spoke of what was to come. Christ fulfilled what Moses spoke of. In Deuteronomy 18, 15, Moses speaking here. He says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. And it is to him you shall listen. Moses was like, there's another, there's a greater one coming. Listen to him. God confirmed it with, I will raise up them for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, language like last week. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command. 
Moses is great, no doubt about it. No reason to disparage it. But the God that made Moses, how great must he be? That's Jesus. So what do we do with that? But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son and we are his house if, big if, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. These conditional clauses such as if right here are torture for some of us that have been raised in the American church and thought that the goal was just to profess Jesus and then be done with our lives. It was, this is it. I've been preserved. I have heaven waiting for me and it's over. I've done what I'm supposed to do here and now. And then we read a clause like that and it's like, well, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Wait, there's more to the story? We are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. The word for house here is God's household. We are a part of God's household Just like Moses was faithful in all of God's house, that was this idea of Moses was faithful in the nation of Israel as a leader for the nation of Israel. We prove ourselves to be faithful like Moses if we are faithful within the house of God. And as Keg's already said this morning, the the church is not a building, it's not an address, it's not a pastor, it's not a personality. We are the church, we are the people. And we're to be faithful among the people. Now, to be very clear, If what you heard when you were younger is by grace you've been saved and it's not by works, that still stands. It is by grace through faith, not by works. That is the good news of the gospel. You don't earn your salvation. The gospel is opposed to earning your salvation. The gospel is not opposed to effort once you've been saved. For even that passage I quoted says, we are his workmanship and the Lord has prepared works for us to walk in. And we are his house. We prove ourselves to be in Christ, with Christ, a disciple of Christ, when we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Now, look, if you're here and you've done these things, but there's no outward signs, there's no, the, the, the sentence ends right there and there's no holding fast to your confidence or boasting in your hope, I, I can offer you no assurances. In fact, the the New Testament doesn't offer you any assurances. If there's no outward expression of an inward faith, I don't know, it's it's not fully for me to judge, thankfully. It is is my job and others to call it out and go, oh, your life's not adding up to what you've professed. This life is much more than a profession. This is about being with Jesus, letting him be in you and you becoming like him, becoming a disciple, fully devoted followers of Christ. That is our job to call it out. And that's our job in community groups with our members. It's going, hey, it feels like you might be one that's stopping the equation. Matthew 13, one of the famous parables. Jesus is talking about the parable of the rock and the soil. It says, other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. When persecution came, they had no root and they withered away. When Jesus explained the parable, he said, yep, what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet, when life comes, there's not resiliency, there's nothing that lasts, it's not a persevering faith. He has no root in himself. He endures for a while, 
But when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately he falls away. We are called to hold fast to our confidence and our boasting and hope a public confession. Another member in our body, I will share more about this next month. I'm excited to share more, but let me give you a little up. There was a, a, a faithful member here. Faith serves in a couple of different areas whose company, um, upon uh, news of Roe v. Wade being overturned, sent an email to their company saying, hey, good news employees, we're gonna fund abortions. We'll fund your travel. We'll do all these sorts of things. We're gonna stay supporting pro-choice for you all. And my friend and his company didn't long for a different assignment. He didn't shrink away when persecution came. He, along with a few other believers in his company said, hey, how can we help serve this company? How can we help be faithful in the assignment that we have right here, right now? And they crafted a letter oozing with humility and winsomeness and gentleness. Speaking of some of their own struggles with uh, abortion in their lifetime, but said, hey, there is another way. And they offered alternatives. They offered other suggestions of other clinics that maybe some of the friends that they want, at least some of the friends that are struggling with that in their company to be aware of those options. Stood firm, held fast to a public confession, knowing that it might cost them. Makes me want to worship the God that made my friend who would stand firm like that in such a way that emboldened me and gives me an example of someone to follow. That's Moses. Moses was an example and he spread examples all over the body for us to be spurred on by, not to worship, not to celebrate them. Don't fall in love with the communicator, for goodness sakes. Fall in love with what that person is communicating about. And if they're not preaching Jesus and Christ crucified, find you another one. But you fall in love with the, the savior who's made each and every one of us this passage in some ways is written right at a church level. Faithful is going to show up four times. House is going to show up seven times. Let this be a faithful house. Moses was faithful in the house. You Hebrew people be a faithful house. Us City Bridge be faithful in this house. Now I know some of us, that's the high call. We're not going to compromise that. We say that a lot. We are going to teach all of us to command, to obey Christ's commands, that's fulfilling the great commission. That's how you become a disciple, is listening to what Christ said. We will also tell you that this will be a safe place. We will fall short. Some of us are even stuck right now. I have been in that place. And part of holding fast to our public confidence, part of trusting this Jesus who is greater than Moses is knowing what, Jesus, what, what Christ can do with each one of us even if we're struggling, even if we are the rocky soil right now, God has a way of changing that soil in a heartbeat. And so you're in a good place. You're in a place where Jesus has made incredible people and he wants you and I to be everlasting splendors even here right now for the benefit of others. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.